Broadcasting from Alito to Alton, from Champaign to Chicago, and from Robinson to Rockford, this is the Sports Spectacular, powered by IlliniGuys.com. Sports Spectacular, he's Brad Sturdy, he's Mike Kegley, I'm Larry Smith, we are the Illini Guys. From IlliniGuys.com, and this is uh, the time of the week we peel away from the internet world and we come on and talk to all of you. And we have lots to talk about. Obviously, we get into Illini basketball, uh, back up to number 10 in the AP ranking, um, and they've got a big game Saturday at Michigan State. Always a tough game. We'll talk about that in a moment. Uh, Marcus Damask also is joining us in a few minutes. Uh, A lot going on also in the basketball world, and we're going to cover a lot of that as well. You may have heard about the big Dartmouth case in terms of the National Labor Relations Board and the college athletes being determined employees. Now, we're not there yet. That's still a ways off, but we're going to have Steve Berkowitz. He's an expert on this, USA Today writer. He's going to break that down for us. Um, Also, we've got uh, Doug Feinberg later talking women's hoops. Brandon Gauden, also the uh, announcer for uh, Big Ten Games on Big Ten Network and FS1. Um, we got a packed show, guys. we got a lot going on. So let's get right to it. First off, uh, let's touch base and uh, put a wrap on last weekend's games. For once, Ilana having the whole week off. Brad, you were there in house. Um, I gotta be honest. I I, I wore down um, my fingernails. Uh, that game, you got ten point lead, three minutes to go, and yet they almost lost it. Had to go to overtime to get the win. Yeah, it, it looked like they had just taken control against. Uh, and you, at this point, you have to give Nebraska a ton of credit. Kase Tamanaga was ridiculous. I mean, he's hitting shots from all over the court and. Sometimes I don't even know if he was on the court. He was in the wrong hemisphere <laughs> shooting some of those, but they were going in. Uh, and Rink Bass is obviously a really good player, so they hit some tough shots. But Illinois is up 10, three and a half minutes to go. And, you know, that was when uh, – and I actually asked Brad about this. He, Underwood called timeout when they went up 10 with three and a half minutes, 327, I think it was. And what he did, what he was thinking was, we're going to set up our defense so we don't give up any threes, which is uh, – it made sense, but the Assembly Hall was kind of crazy – or the State Farm Center, excuse me – was crazy. It was rocking, and he called timeout, kind of let it go down. And then, of course, what they do the first possession? They give up a three, and next thing you know, it begins an 11-0 Nebraska run. Illinois just couldn't get anything to fall. Nebraska made everything. They scored on all five possessions, and and uh, it was – boy, it was dicey. And, you know, Marcus Damas, the Illini guy, who we'll have on later, drains a free throw to tie it, and then uh, they Illinois hangs on and wins in overtime. You know, this Nebraska team kind of reminds me of the Illinois team that Brad Underwood had to teach how to win. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Hoiberg is, and of course it's taken him longer than Brad Underwood, but but I feel like Hoiberg is starting to build something out there at Nebraska. And, and one of these games they're going to break through on the road. I was just happy it wasn't at mm-hmm. Illinois. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because they, they played well, and I think that's to your point. Um, Mass is hitting threes. He's hitting threes like Jokic. I mean, he's not – those aren't – when it comes off his hand, it's like a Coleman Hawkins shot, like you think it's going in. So um, good win there by a team that may wind up in the NCAA tournament, and if they do, they'll be a dangerous out. Um, and listen, as Brad Underwood has said, as we have always said, in the Big Ten, a win is a win. Um, when you look – you know what? When you get to mid-late March, you look back at this that game, it's a W. Doesn't matter how it happened. It's a W. You move on. So, yeah. you know, Larry, you mentioned winning. I always thought this. It seemed like Illinois was a, in a fan base. Everybody was almost like they won the game, and everybody's like, it was like an exhale. It was like relief. Nobody yeah. was excited they won. Yeah. I don't think the team was excited. It was like, 
Oh, thank God we won. You know what? You know when, when Illinois won. I remember being games when they, you know, win that win a game against an Iowa or somebody like that to win the Big Ten the one year and things like that. These big games, everybody's so excited at the end. This game was like, oh, just yeah. the, the exhale, the air yeah. came out. Like, Brad, Brad and I talked about that on our Eye on the Illini podcast, and it was funny. We got a lot of responses that you know we should have higher standards, but the bottom line is, is we've been watching long enough that we, we understand exactly what you said, Larry. If it's a W, smile and move on. Yeah, just take it. I mean, it's that's that's all. And we talked before about you know the, at the at the that moment, um, and we mentioned last week. You know how many teams right now, um, you know, already have three losses in conference. And I mean, you know, Kentucky's got four, I think. Right, Kansas. Marquette, uh, Arizona. I mean, it's just Illinois eight and three. They're they're right where you want to be. They're going to lose another game, probably a couple at least before the season, before you get the postseason. It just is what it is. Let's enjoy this ride. Um, best to start in the Brad Underwood era as they go into East Lansing and a game at Michigan State, a team that coming off that loss a few nights ago um, against Minnesota. That's a game they could have won on the road. They lose it late, 57-53. Now 6-6, six and six, and now all of a sudden, this is a kind of a must-win game for them. They've got a resume right now that's kind of in the on the bubble, and they're a team that if the selection were, if selections were made tomorrow, may not get in. They really need to get this win over Illinois on Saturday. Yeah, I think it's an important game. I think they're probably in right now, but if they lose on Saturday, they're probably on the other side, or at least close. There's that last four or something like that, play in somewhere in that level. Tom Izzo has known for, you know, there's January, February, and then Izzo. And so that that's what, we, you know, we, he is March, right? And so he's been in the NCAA tournament like for 1 million years in a row. And so it's, this is really a team that you know that Illinois is going to get their best on, on Saturday. Now, that doesn't mean that Illinois can't beat them because I think Illinois is more talented, but this is a really difficult game. And that's why I think you're going to see Michigan, Michigan state be a favorite in this game. Um, and it's an important game because Michigan state, it, it, you know, after this game, they got a couple of road games that they're going to have to take care of business in. But uh, yeah, it, it's a, it's an important game for the Spartans. Yeah, th- this is, this is a real, th- this is a real tipping point for, for Michigan state. And you, you have to give them a lot of uh, props when they're playing at home. And then they know that they've got a couple of key road games coming up right after I- Izzo is going to have this team ready to play. And I know Illinois wants to go up and win by 30, but I just don't think this is the game that they're going to break through. I think if Illinois beats this Michigan state team, it's going to be a, um, as, as Brad Underwood likes to say, it's going to be a rock fight at the pizza hut. And um, of course, you guys know how much I like Pizza Hut pizza, so it's probably going to be throwing pieces of Pizza Hut pizza at each other. They're dangerous. But um, I, I think this is going to be a very tough game for the Illini, and and the Illini are a tough opponent, as Brad said. They're a tough matchup for Michigan State, it, it, but it's going to go the, the distance this time, I think. Yeah. You know, one thing Brad Underwood talked about after the game uh, Sunday night was in terms of the versatility and you getting so – so much, um, so many contributions for so many different players. And he was asked for one about uh, Ty Rogers, who had double digit rebounds yet again in that win over Nebraska, you know, even though he plays a guard position. Uh, here's Brad talking after the you know, get, win over Nebraska. And, it, you know, everybody's going to play five men on him. So, you know, it's, it's to our advantage. Uh, there's not anybody that he hasn't, you know, he was sick in the Purdue game. So I'll give Zach his credit. You know, he didn't play great that game, but. Hey, 14 rebounds. He was the difference. 
Um, you know, he's, he's a, he can play as a screener. Uh, he's really good in the pocket. He made a couple great, great decisions in the pocket. He's athletic, so he did a great job of cutting. Um, you know, and, and uh, you know, he's, he's making free throws. So um, he's, he's a really, really good college basketball player. Greg, you said typical Big Ten. Um, what's the key to getting some of these wins like this, Indiana? And what's that say about your team that even if it's not the prettiest? Yeah, I, I, pretty. I mean, look at me. I'm ugly. I don't <laughs> care if they're pretty or ugly or what, what they are. I, you just want to win. It, it, it doesn't matter how you do it. Tonight, tonight, we didn't shoot the ball very well and won. And those are, those are hard. And that's what we tried to build this entire program on is the ability to win and find a way to win when you don't make shots. Northwestern, we made shots. Boy, it was pretty and it was great. Uh, at Northwestern, we made shots and got beat. Um, you know, and, and, and you've got to have some toughness. You've got to have some grit. Uh, players that aren't afraid of the moment. Um, you know, and I'll put the ball in Marcus DeMoss' hand with the game on the line, um, you know, all the time. I'll put the ball in Coleman's hands with the game on the line every time. Those guys are veterans. And so I, I thought we made some, some tough plays and got some tough rebounds. Along those lines, Brad, what are you learning about your guys with another one of these close games? That like how they're settling into their roles, I guess, in this down the stretch of those games. Yeah, I mean, most games played are going to be two possessions in this league. I mean, the coaches are great, the players are great, the atmosphere is great, and you know you can't be afraid to, of, of those moments. And, and I like where our guys are at. I, you know, it's it's um, uh, you know it, it's been Justin at times. It's been. You know, it's been somebody else at, at, at different times that have made plays, and, and that's what you want. And, you know, when you get in postseason play, it's in the NCAA tournament. It's it's a lot of times a one or two possession game, and um, you know, to get where we want to go, these are great learning experiences for us. Yeah, Ty, Ty Rogers has kind of has redefined what um, what a point guard is in the sense that. The reality is they call him point guard, but he doesn't really play the point guard. He They put him in the dunker spot a lot, which is kind of more of the power forward. But he has the ability to also bring the ball up when he needs to. And Damask, they're kind of playing through Damask and and, and Shannon and Hawkins. And, and But Ty Rogers has the ability to make guys better, but it's his energy and hustle plays. I think he's a guy like, if you go back, he reminds me so much like with his energy and hustle, his rebounding. Of, and I know he's not the same player, but of like can he brings that energy like a Kenny Battle used to on the Flying Illini, where he's just always in the glass and he's undersized, but yet at the same time he's able to do things because he's so athletic and because he just has a great motor. And uh, it's been really fun to watch his emergence. You know, if you take out that Purdue game when he was uh, very sick and he played through it, he's been really good since uh, since the turn of the new year. Yeah, and and I I do think it's it takes a special type of player to go out there and put that type of effort into to, to rebounding. There were uh, at least two plays I can think of that he was about as high off of the ground as I've seen in the line I get since Kenny Battle was running around jumping and and Nick Anderson. So he was really the effort level was huge, and and really in a game that Illinois won by three in overtime. You take away any one of those fourteen rebounds, and the ball may have bounced the other way, and and Illinois is having to go up to Michigan State and trying to to prevent a two game losing streak. 
Well, he's done a nice job. And by the way, from the free throw line as well, um, he was somebody that, you know, began the season as so many Illini players, not very good at the charity stripe, although they, you know, let a lot of them go on Sunday night. They kind of contributed to uh, to that result. Uh, but you're exactly right. Back-to-back games now with double-digit rebounds. He had 10 at Ohio State the game before, and uh, he's been such an integral part. It reminds me a bit, you can kind of see him line up, guys, as Brad mentioned, in the kind of the power forward spot. Um, they'll run some plays where he'll just sit baseline. And he'll wait for, you know, whoever's going to drive. And if, you know, if the center who's on tie, if he goes to the guy who's driving the ball, well, ties right there to, to get the dish for the dunk, or he's in position to get the offensive rebound. So it's just been, um, it's, it's been fantastic to watch him work. So uh, it's a noon tip off on CBS uh, Saturday, Illinois at Michigan state. And uh, we'll talk more about this coming up as again, we'll take a quick timeout. It is Marcus Damask joining us in just a moment. Uh, Damask, what a season he is having here in his final year. He is coming up as well, talking with him uh, in just a few moments here on the sports spectacular guys. I want to get your thoughts Four games coming up very quickly before we go to break. Um, the next four games, three are on the road. It's at Michigan State, home against Michigan, at Maryland, at Penn State. Give me your thoughts. How many does Illinois win out of those four? I, you know, obviously you expect them to beat Michigan at home, um, and then you know you got the games again at Penn State. I think is a game they should win. Uh, the other two, I think their goal would be, well, my goal, I, their goal is to go four and zero. But I, I think they split those two games, three and one. I think is a good, a good thing here. But if you go four and zero then look out, you're probably in the top five and you're talking a, a, you know, a two seed in the NCAA tournament. If you can win these next four games, you're sitting really well in, in, uh, in the, in that situation. Yeah. I think three and one is probably a, a likely place. You're, you're probably satisfied. You can live with two and two and then getting the four spot, you know, really lets you key on those final five big 10 games to see just how can you actually make a run, especially with, with both Wisconsin and Purdue on the schedule. Can you make a a run at a one seed? Yeah. I would think that uh, I'm with you guys. If you go three and one of this stretch, um, I think that'd be fantastic. Um, You know, Maryland's a game that I still think Illinois beat themselves more than the Terps getting the win in Champaign. Um, But obviously at Maryland's a tough place to play Penn state with some questions right now, the new head coach, Mike Rhodes, uh, but still, it's a program that's given Illinois fits over the years. I don't care who the head coach is, um, Underwood, Gross, Weber. It's just for some reason they have trouble with that team. But I'm with you. They come out. They've won five of the last six. If they can somehow go 4-0 in the stretch, they get Iowa and Minnesota at home after that, and then you've got the finishing three at Wisconsin, home against Purdue, at Iowa, uh, and a chance to lock up, like you said, Allie, just that 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 uh, that 1 o'clock uh, uh, lock up the, uh, uh, you know, a, a top four seed in the Big Ten tournament. So, by the way, that's a, a one o'clock central time uh, tip off on uh, CBS. All right. Quick timeout. Marcus DeMass joins us next on the Sports Spectacular. When life isn't easy, you need health care that is. You need OSF On-Call Urgent Care. With OSF On-Call Urgent Care, we make it easy to get affordable, quick, convenient care for minor illnesses and injuries when and where you need it. Reserve an appointment online or walk in for care 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. every day, even on holidays. Virtual visits are also available 24-7, 365. Get started today or find a clinic near you at osfoncall.org slash urgent care. Would you like to get a free $100 prepaid MasterCard and save money on your television bill? Then call right now. Make the switch to Dish TV. For a limited time, we're offering a two-year price guarantee. That's important for those of you on a fixed budget to know your prices won't go up for two years. 
Plus, you have hundreds of channels, lots of live news and sports, movies, and more. And when you call right now, you can also ask about our discounts for seniors and those of you in the military. So, make the switch to DISH right now. Pick up the phone and call. Enjoy your television like you are meant to. And when you sign up today, we'll also give you a $100 free, prepaid MasterCard. Call right now, ask about our senior discount, our military discount, and your free $100 prepaid MasterCard. 800-706-7063 That's 800-706-7063 Paid for by NPS. Switch to Dish TV today for your free prepaid MasterCard. Hey, glad you're still with us here on the Sports Spectacular. Larry Smith, Mike Hagley, Brad Sturdy, and uh, we are joined by uh, the guy each week, the Illini guy, Marcus Damascon, presented by HX Home Solutions. Each and every week, we appreciate their support, not only of the show, but also uh, of Illini student-athletes. Marcus, let's talk about, um, first off, we were, we were joking last week because you finally had like a day off and took a nap. What's it feel like to have five days off in February? I mean, you're probably almost bored at this point, right? <laughs> yeah i mean we we still been practicing but uh today today we got an off day so it was good it was enjoyable i got my workout in got a nap in of course on the off day and i mean yeah i just kind of get caught up on all the other stuff in life just wait till you're old those naps are necessary they're, they're <laughs> not, you, have, you need them every day not just on your off days yeah, it's like that's right. They're not already all... necessary for me. Well, yeah, but they're not. They're not gold. When you're our age, they're not gold. They're they platinum. Are. Yeah, they are. They are. It's it's definitely a necessity. Uh, you know. So, Marcus, real, real. Want to go back? You know, to last. You know, last game. You guys um, obviously didn't have the finish you wanted against Nebraska, um, but you come out with the wind. Um, you, you mentioned that you're maybe a little tired of having all the close games. Yeah, I mean, it would it would be nice to just go in and beat a team by 30 and sit on the end of the bench for the last four minutes and enjoy the <laughs> win. But it's the Big Ten, and that's that's rare. So we you just got to win the close games when they come. Just follow up real quick. That Nebraska game, last four minutes, you guys just kind of went into kind of a, I don't know, just couldn't get anything to fall. Just kind of, it, Nebraska goes on an 11-0 run in three minutes there, and what was kind of the you know, what happened there? Yeah, uh, I mean, looking back on it, we got a lot of good looks. Uh, yeah, I missed the one at the rim. I think Tanner's missed a couple of threes. Like we had good looks. We got some old boards. We did everything right offensively. We just didn't didn't finish. So I mean, that would have changed the game. We just hit one or two shots, and then uh, defensively, I mean, we had a couple of mistakes and they hit some shots. I mean. Tamanaga hit some tough shots. Brink is good. It's just good players. And when you play good players, if you don't hit shots, they're going to make you pay. And that's just kind of what happened. Yeah. And, and at home, you guys haven't been quite as as reliable shoot, shooters as sometimes you are on the road. Um, is, there, is that something where, you know, the, the just the excitement and the electricity of the fans, or is it just like a statistical improbability that uh, that happens? Yeah, I, I don't know. I I guess sometimes it just happens. Usually, usually teams shoot better at home. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure what's going on with us. Hopefully, it'll it'll switch soon. All right, got to ask you though. We've been talking amongst ourselves. I'm just gonna throw it out there. You haven't seen the wrath of Brad Underwood during games. Who he got real hot in the collar early and often all of last season. 
he was fired up uh, early in this game. What was your reaction when you saw him um, get that technical and, and start yelling at the refs? To be honest, I was I was on the other side of the court, and I thought I had thought one of our guys got teed up. I didn't even know coach got teed up until like the technical was given out, and I went up to the ref and asked what happened because I was I, I had no clue honestly. I was about as lost as some of the fans in the top row. So I mean, I, I didn't even get to I didn't even get to see the whole thing. I, I wish I would have. <laughs> wanted to you- enjoy that. Did you talk yeah. to coach about did you talk to coach about discipline under fire? <laughs> That's always Probably. a nice thing to throw in there, but do it at the moment. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I wouldn't go there. Just I uh, I've probably known Coach Underwood longer than you. I, I probably wouldn't go there. I probably wouldn't do that. So <laughs> is there a so you know, go now you guys head to uh the Breslin Center, Michigan State. You know, the Spartans are always tough there, and they're just a, you know, they're a physical, they're a grinded out kind of team. And you know, they're going to, you know, I, coming off the, the loss, you know, Coach Izzo's probably going to have the football pads out this week. And do you go into this game and you just think, you know, you just, is there a different mindset knowing you have to be, you know, it's going to be physical? Um, I wouldn't say it's a different mindset. Uh, I guess. As you come down, every game means a little bit more as you come down throughout the season. So, you know, we're going in with the mindset that this is a must win. Uh, as far as the physicality, yeah, it's going to be physical, but I feel like that's just Big Ten basketball. Like, we're used to these physical games. We're used to leaving with bruises. And so I don't think that's anything new or anything that we haven't been prepared for already. So if, if you're in a situation, let's say, and one of your teammates is getting frustrated at the calls, what, what do you do to try to defuse that situation and, and you know, help help the situation out or be more positive? Uh, for me, I think I just try to get people focused on the next play. Uh, it's really easy in basketball to think about the last player, like the last missed shot or the last missed call or whatever happened, but you know, thinking about what's happened, like the refs aren't going to change their call after they made a call. So, like, I think it's just almost pointless to, you know, complain about a call that happened 30 seconds ago because nothing's going to happen. So I think just trying to get everybody on the same page that so we know what we're doing on our next offensive trip, next defensive trip, so we have no mistakes in the future. Yeah. That's a good approach. Um, you're entering a stretch right now. Uh, you guys going in, tied for second place. You're right where you want to be. You're two games ahead of the rest of the pack in the Big Ten. You want to stay that way, right? Um, but you're coming into a stretch right now where three of your next four games are actually on the road. You've got, uh, as we mentioned, at Michigan State, home against uh, Michigan, a last-place team, but a team that played you guys very tough up at their place. And then you go out to a couple of places um, that Illinois has has had some trouble winning at Maryland, at Penn State. I know you don't want to look ahead too much, but it, but in terms of what have you learned from road trips uh, you've already taken this season that you can apply uh, with these these games coming up? Yeah, road trips, it's just you just got to focus on yourselves. You know, when you go into hostile environments, when there's a bunch of fans in the student section saying a lot of stuff to us, you know, I think I think road trips in a way kind of make your team closer. You know, you go on the road, you spend time with each other in the hotel, you eat with each other. And then it's everybody versus you guys. So I, I really like road games, and I think road games are great for us. You know, it's just all about staying connected and just kind of having each other's back. You, you know, you head into the Michigan State. Have you ever been to 
this is probably going to be one of those arenas like Tennessee, where you probably have, this is probably one of the going to be one of the wildest scenes that you've uh, you you come into. Do you, does this kind of, is that kind of, I know some people like actually get excited because they, they know, they know what's coming. Yeah. I mean, I, I love road games. I, I love when, you know, like at Purdue when the, the crowds sold out and they're loud, like those are just fun environments and it. I mean, I, I love those games. Well, two words of advice to you at Michigan State: avoid Sissoko. You probably have heard about what happened with him. Yeah, uh, that one. We want to make sure. And then at, at Maryland, avoid the chicken wings when they throw them at Coach. Yeah, so, I heard about so, that too. Yeah, if Coach yeah. gets mad, calm him down. It'll be great. <laughs> yeah, good luck with that one. <laughs> you have a much better chance of avoiding chicken wings and Sissoko than you do calming down Coach when he gets mad. That's right. You only go so, so far from him. He's going to be right there with you every step you go. Mark, it's always great to talk with you. Um, safe travels this weekend. Get that dub up in Michigan, and uh, we'll catch up with you next week. Yes, sir. Appreciate you guys. All Take right. Care. Thanks so much. We appreciate you. Marcus Damask here once again, presented by HX Home Solutions, uh, the guard for the Finding Illini. By, by the way, once again, 10th in the country, second in the Big Ten, off to uh, their best start here in the past decade and trying to build on that against the Spartans up in East Lansing on Saturday. That's, uh, again, a noon tip on CBS. Lots more to come right here. We're going to talk more with Steve Berkowitz from USA Today. He's up next talking about this NLRB decision and how it could lead to guys like Marcus uh, sometime in the future actually being employees of the school. We'll break that down. That's it. You're tuned in to the Sports Spectacular on the Illini Guys Radio Network. Hi, Larry Smith here with details on a special Illini Guys deal with one of the premier home building and remodeling companies in greater Chicago, HX Home Solutions. If you live in the Chicago area or if you know someone who does and your home or business is in need of attention, Call HX. Tell them you're with the Illini guys and get $1,000 off your project. They offer full residential, commercial, and industrial remodeling and new construction services and only use the best in-class products with the top installers. Get $1,000 off with the Illini guys discount. Why HX? They're experienced in business since 1950. They're respected, an A rating from the Better Business Bureau, and over 100 five-star reviews on Google. They're elite. They use only top materials like James Hardy siding. I have Hardy Plank on my own home. It's durable, looks good, and increased the value of my home. Marvin Windows, hail-proof Ural Shield roofing, and much more. And they finish on time. None of this stuff sitting in your driveway weeks after they were supposed to be done already. The Illini Guys discount is available to anyone listening to this message. Their number is 224-880-6000 and their website, hxhomesolutions.com. Be sure to mention the Illini Guys to get your discount, hxhomesolutions.com. Let me tell you a story about Bill. Bill was a normal guy in his 50s. He had back surgery about two years ago. Bill was in a lot of pain. He dealt with his pain by taking the Percocets his doctor prescribed for him. Bill took more and more and more of them to help with the pain until one day the prescriptions weren't enough to get rid of Bill's pain. Then one day Bill found someone to help him get rid of the pain with illegal drugs he didn't need a prescription for. Fast forward to today. Bill lost his job and his family. The only thing he does have is his drug dealer. If you know Bill's story and you don't want to end up like Bill, call the Detox and Treatment Helpline right now. To get away and get treatment. 800-980-1761. 800-980-1761. 
That's 800-980-1761. Are you tired of your website making your business look bad? Is your current web developer dropping the ball? Let's face it, if your website isn't making you money, it's broken. Let Neon Rain create a website that turns your visitors into customers. Neon Rain has worked with hundreds of businesses across North America, building custom websites and applications with modern designs that are easy to update and work well on mobile devices. They can do it for you too. What sets Neon Rain? Rain apart, they actually deliver on their promises. Call today for a free consultation, 303-957-3092. That's Neon Rain at 303-957-3092. Or visit them at neonrain.com. Hello, this is John Makovic, former coach of the Fighting Illini, and I sure enjoy listening to the Illini guys on their Sports Spectacular. One of the big stories, uh, so many big stories really off the playing field, if you will, this week. Um, some great reporting on what's going on at Dartmouth in terms of uh, the National Labor Relations Board um, and them actually being called athletes. I don't want to mess this up, so I'm bringing the experts. Uh, the guy who wrote the piece, uh, Steve Berkowitz, he's a reporter for USA Today, we are thrilled to have him on here for some explanation. Uh, Steve, welcome to the show. Hopefully I got that little small part right. Either way, correct me and tell us what's going on. This is really big. Sure. Um, what's what's happening here is that a regional director of the National Labor Relations Board uh, has made a finding that uh, the men's basketball players at Dartmouth College are school employees, and she has ordered a union vote. So a vote on whether or not among the players, whether or not to form a union. Um, and so that's the basic crux of what's gone on here. This is really similar to what went on uh, roughly 10 years ago with the Northwestern football team. Uh, there was a similar circumstance. Uh, a similar complaint was filed. Similar hearings were held and a similar finding was made uh, by the regional director uh, you know, in the Chicago area at that time. Um, and so what ended up happening in Northwestern case, a vote was taken of the players, but the results of that vote were never made known because Northwestern exercised its right to request a review of the regional director's decision by the full five-member National Labor Relations Board in Washington. And what ended up happening was the NLRB full board uh, made sort of like it was kind of a technical decision, but they determined that they didn't have jurisdiction uh, in the matter because the way uh, the National Labor Relations Act is set up, it applies to private employers or in this instance, a private school. And because the National Labor Relations Act charges the NLRB with maintaining sort of order within a, an employment uh, or an industry, they found that if they if they had acted and you know, went through and approved the regional director's finding and put all that in play with Northwestern, that that would have created sort of a chaotic environment in major college football because you would have a circumstance where it's not applicable to public schools. Um, so what's going on here, Dartmouth presumably will ask the NLRB to review the case, which, so there'll be a vote, but we won't know the outcome of it. And in the meantime, this appeal will go on to the NLRB, which will take quite a while. The, it, I believe it was almost a year and a half uh, wow. in the Northwestern case before the NLRB ruled. And even if the NLRB backs the regional director's decision, 
Dartmouth would have the option to then appeal that ruling into, into a federal appeals court. And federal appellate courts take a significant amount of time to make decisions. So, you know, unless Dartmouth comes to an agreement with the players in some other form or fashion, uh, this is going to spool out potentially for several years. Wow. So it, it joins the chaos that we see going on across across college sports right now. Is it fair to say that the NCAA seems to be going to court, fighting yesterday's battles today and setting themselves up for losses? Because even this latest round with Tennessee, it, it just, it seemed, I, I don't know how they enforce anything anymore. Well, I mean, first of all, you got to keep in mind, the NCAA isn't going to court. The NCAA right. is getting sued. Right, exactly. Um, so, so it's not like they're being given a choice in the matter. Um, and yeah, I mean, they're, I mean, you know, yeah, I mean, for the most part, they're defending these cases. Now, they, you know, reached a sort of a, a temporary settlement in one of the lawsuits that uh, came up around the transfer restrictions, forcing athletes to have to go through a waiver process if they want to transfer more than once. And so the NCAA sort of backed off on that. But yeah, I mean, in many, you know, most of these instances, they're, yeah, I mean, they're attempting to defend their their rule structure. Um, I mean, and they're embroiled in yet another, in another NLRB complaint, which is going before an administrative law judge in uh, Los Angeles. And that case involves uh, football players, men's and women's basketball players at University of Southern California. And that complaint has been lodged against uh, USC, the Pac-12, and the NCAA. And that case differs from the Dartmouth case in that uh, generally, like remember when I said that the NL, the National Labor Relations Act deals with private employers, what the uh, NLRB local office in LA is attempting to do is pursue what's called a joint employer complaint and making the saying that the players are jointly employed by the university, by the Pac-12 and by the NCAA. And because the NCAA is this big national organization, if they if the uh, administrative law judge buys that argument, that notion of joint employer status in this case sort of gets you around this being limited to private entities. And so a, a, a an adverse ruling for the NCAA in that case potentially sets up the prospect of labor organization in public schools, you know, and then you run into some conflicts with state laws that don't allow public employees to be unionized. But it 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 more it definitely expands the field of what you're looking at here beyond what's going on with Dartmouth. And there are some ways that Dartmouth, the Dartmouth case could could spread. And we can talk about that if you'd like. Yeah. Talking with Steve Berkowitz of USA Today again about this uh, big decision uh, a few days ago with the Dartmouth basketball players. Uh, Let's try to get down the line just a little bit. Um, And I guess here's a big question. It it feels like with all the changes and we're talking about it's 2024 and, and of course the Big Ten and SEC are expanding. The ACC also adding teams, but they don't have the big money contract. The other two conferences do. Um, It feels like this is even though we're not there yet. And like you said, it's going to be years down the line before this is resolved. But we are heading in that direction where student athletes, we may look up in six, seven, eight years, and they're considered employees of these universities, kind of, or, or there's some kind of 
salary cap, as Rick Patino talked about this week, or there's it, it, it feels like this is another small step in that in that direction, even though we have a long way to go. Agreed. No, I mean, there's, there's no question. And sort of what that ends up looking like, you know, remains to be seen. I mean, Charlie Baker has uh, the NCAA's president, Charlie Baker, has been asking Congress to pass a law that would sort of create this sort of special kind of employment, quote unquote, employment status for uh, college athletes so that they're not declared employees of the schools in the traditional sense of employment uh, for a whole variety of, of reasons that get pretty far flung pretty quickly. Um, but the NCAA and the schools are desperately trying to avoid a circumstance where athletes are declared to be employees uh, of the schools. And, you know, how this will manifest itself in terms of the compensation that athletes are able to get uh, even beyond what they're getting from NIL. I mean, the way Charlie Baker's propo latest proposal uh, to address this looks at it is it's sort of bringing all the name, image, and likeness stuff in-house with the schools. The schools would be able to make NIL deals with the athletes. There really wouldn't be any limit on the amount of money that athletes could get, and it would be a much more deregulated uh, environment relative to the NCAA rulebook. Mm. What that, again, what that looks like over time, I mean, you know, that's anyone's guess. And it may also end up having to do with how the schools are aligned with each other, whether or not you have like a super conference or a rearranging of what, you know, the current conference and, you know, what is currently known as the power four or power five structure looks like. When you when you take a look at this, there's a there's a lot of directions. What do you see the pathway being if you had to to try to predict the future? Understanding that that you know there's some X factors, but do you see a more likely path for this to head down? Um, I, I'm not sure what path it will head down or how it will get there, but it seems pretty clear that over time, and I'm not sure whether that time frame is a year, two years, five years. And whether it's going to go through, you know, is it going to go through the courts? Is it going to go through the National Labor Relations Board? Is it going to go through Congress? What the, the way you're going to get there? But I mean, the, the, you know, there, there's clearly going to be a circumstance where athletes are going to be able to get greater and greater uh, compensation. And the, the question is whether or not ultimately you end up either with a revenue, essentially revenue sharing between the schools and the athletes, particularly in men's basketball and football, and to some extent in women's basketball and potentially other revenue generating sports, they may not operate at surplus, but, you know, baseball generates revenue. Um, they're not, they may be at the school, may be operating the sport at a loss, but they're bringing in money. So, you know, there, you know, there, I think you're going to end up it's in some form or fashion, whether it's through collective bargaining, through some other form of uh, of, of revenue sharing or compensating of the players, that that's going to continue to expand. You know, another possibility in this, I can see where, and we're already seeing where there's this partnership, this alliance uh, advisory panel combined with the presidents and count uh, chancellors and athletic directors from the Big Ten and the SEC. I, I can also see where this goes down. I think you would agree where they decide not to mess with the NCAA and they go off and do their own thing and set their own rules depending on how this comes down, they've got smart lawyers. They may figure out a way to kind of do their own organization. And you look up and we've got two super conferences of, of 20, 24 teams each. Um, and they've become just a, you know, a Saturday version uh, football wise anyway of the NFL. 
with salary caps, et cetera, where they're kind of making their own rules depending on how this plays out. Sure. I mean, that, that's, yeah, that, that's, that's definitely a possibility. And then it becomes like in terms of whether or not that occurs sort of under the broader umbrella of the NCAA or not, you know, is a, is a whole other question. I mean, don't forget right now, I mean, the one thing that's sort of tethering together what is currently division one sports is the basketball tournament. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, if there were a group of conferences that decided they wanted to go their own way, okay, are you, you know, are they prepared to be the ones that blow up the basketball tournament as you know it? Yeah, and, and which, you know, Jim Delaney kind of hinted at that 10, 12 years ago, you know, when he was talking about setting up the Big Ten network. But is there any advantage to the schools trying to take the football program and make it separate from the rest of the athletic department? I, I I was just wondering if you know you've got you it affects so many things in terms of Title Nine, with the number of scholarships required, and of course obviously those players will be higher compensated than than other ones. Is there is have there been any, any talk of having them be kind of affiliations with the universities, but not an actual part of that athletic department? I if, I think if you go down that road, where you're sort of separating football from the rest of the athletics program and potentially for the, from the rest of the educational enterprise, that starts getting really complicated um, on, on myriad levels. Um, whether or not there should be separate governance within sort of the traditional college structure, whether there should be separate governance um, and sort of financing of football is, you know, that that's a little bit different question. You know the title. You're still going to have to deal with Title IX. I don't, I don't sense any appetite anywhere by anybody that would result in okay, let's split football out of the consideration for Title IX. There's, you know, you that that would require uh, congressional action, and that ain't happening. Well, yeah. yeah, we. We can't get regular bills on, passed. On also, anything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's a non-starter. Um, we've got about a minute left. And and so give me kind of, you know, to wrap this up, um, because, boy, we could this is fascinating. We could talk about it for a long time. What's the next step in this? I mean, in terms of the next few months, what's what's the next role that uh, the next piece that's going to happen in this process? Well, I mean, you've got a series of court cases that are rolling along here that are sort of the probably to be the next things to be decided. I mean, the Dartmouth thing has now been decided. It'll sort of be sort of put on hold for a while. You'll have what's going on in the in the L.A. version of the NLRB. There is a case pending before the Third Circuit, uh, the U Third U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals. That's also a labor case and involves the recognition of athletes uh, under the Fair Labor Standards Act, which would essentially make the athletes hourly wage earners. And um, that is the, the appellate court would be setting the stage for a trial at the lower court level. So I think that may be kind of the next shoe to drop. Uh, that decision has people have been that that case was sort of wrapped up about a year ago. Um, and so people have been waiting for an opinion from the Third Circuit. And then you have this this other uh, antitrust litigation pending in California, the House case, you have this multi-billion dollar damages award that's sitting out there that may go to trial late 2024, 
early 2025. But the, the Third Circuit decision, whatever he refers to as the Johnson case, is, I think, because of the next thing that may drop out. OK, OK. Well, this is uh, listen, we appreciate your time and thank you for um, first your, your great reporting and for giving us some clarity and for all of our listeners as well. This has been great stuff. We hope to get you to come back on again and talk more about this, um, because this is something that we're just beginning to scratch the surface. As you well know, um, this ain't going anywhere. No, <laughs> <laughs> I, I appreciate you having me on and I'm delighted that you have me back because, yeah, there'll be. This, this isn't going anywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you can count on that. We'll be calling very soon. Steve, thanks so much. Steve Berkowitz, uh, once again, reporter for USA Today. Um, we Really, really good reporting on this. And again, as you can see, this is just kind of uh, one piece of this. It's been ongoing and there's much more to come. If you get a chance, if you're on X, give him a follow. Uh, by Berkowitz, B-Y Berkowitz is uh, his handle on X. We follow him. We think you should as well. Steve, again, thanks for your time. We'll talk with you soon. Hey, Thank stay you. With us. You got it. We've got lots more to come. Quick time out and the conversation continues right here next. When life isn't easy, you need health care that is. You need OSF On-Call Urgent Care. With OSF On-Call Urgent Care, we make it easy to get affordable, quick, convenient care for minor illnesses and injuries when and where you need it. Reserve an appointment online or walk in for care 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. every day, even on holidays. Virtual visits are also available 24-7, 365. Get started today or find a clinic near you at osfoncall.org slash urgent care. How is your car payment treating you? What if I told you you could make a free phone call right now and reduce your car payment by as much as $83 a month? Look at your car payment closely. You could be paying as high as 20% interest. Rate Genius can help you reduce your car payments by reducing your interest rate to as low as 2.48% APR. We can refinance most existing car loans or leased cars, new or used, and save you money every month. Put more money back in your pocket. The call is free to find out how low we can lower your car payment. Five minutes of your time right now could save you hundreds of dollars a year. Call Rate Genius now. 800-425-1161. 800-425-1161. That's 800-425-1161. Not all applicants qualify for a loan or rate savings. Actual offer terms, including APR, are determined at the time of your application based on credit worthiness, value of the vehicle, loan term, and other factors. Do you use the expensive blue or yellow pills to charge your sex life? Are you thinking about it? What if we can promise you the same results for less than $3 a pill. If you're paying $20 a pill for the other pills, you're getting taken to the cleaners. Our pills deliver the exact same results for less than $3. You'll save more than $16 a pill for the same results. And right now, radio callers will get 44 blue or yellow pills for $120 with free discreet shipping. You can save more than $700 off pharmacy prices. Charge your sex life now and save a ton of money. Call now and get your 44 pills and save over $700 and qualify for free shipping. Stop overpaying and call right now. Paid for by Steel Man Pills. 800-218-4958. 800-218-4958. 800-218-4958. That's 800-218-4958. Hey guys, some other stories that uh, we've been talking about here. Uh, we have not spent, we've talked about amongst ourselves, but not on air. The Washington Huskies coming into the Big Ten coming up here in July. These are not the Huskies you watched a month ago. National runner-up, uh, but their coach is gone. Coaches are gone. Head coach is now Alabama. And the players, 
our producer, Tony Codero, telling us uh, the players, only two starters returning from this team that just went 14-1. and one. It's just insane. Pretty wild. I mean, you think about this. You, you, you. This is the era, and, and I think this is the problem right now in college athletics is you try and connect with a team and a, and a group of players. It's very difficult to do that when they're only there maybe for a year or, or two max, it's very difficult to kind of get that connection. And, and, you know, and I think that college fans are having a hard time, um, you know, figuring that out. And so this is uh this is where, this is where it's kind of, it's a new era, new world. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm not saying it shouldn't happen or whatever, but I'm just saying it's definitely different. And you can see a team like, you know, as Washington also going into a new conference, their schedule is going to be very, very difficult as well. Uh, with only two starters coming back. So that's that's tough, and it's going to be very interesting to see. And you know they're going to be, well, very patient with new coaches, right? They always are. Yeah, I think I think it's interesting because the timing is, is such a critical thing when you're starting in the Big Ten Conference and you don't want to – you don't want to have year one where your ship sinks, so to speak. And, and so if this team only has two starters – and you're you know you're going into Iowa you're you're obviously playing USC and Oregon but you're also visiting Penn State and Michigan's coming to town that that puts a lot of pressure on a team to perform very well under rough circumstances and and again you don't want to start off in a bad place because then you know it's always harder to get quite as many NIL contributions coming off of a losing season versus a, a national title etc so the the whole coaches moving has a you know has has a huge effect on things as as even Alabama saw with twenty seven of their players hitting the the transfer portal when Nick Saban retired. Yeah, uh, changes uh, all over the place there, and that's uh, one of those you know everyone talked about. Hey, Washington coming in, they're gonna well maybe not. It's it it may be a real rough uh, you know inaugural season for them in the Big Ten. Hey, speaking of uh, things that are a little different, how about the first NFL Friday game since 1970? Uh, the Eagles are going to be playing uh, as the home team as the NFL opens in Week One in Brazil. Uh, how crazy is this? Um, the Eagles home team they, they don't know yet who they're going to play. But the NFL just they just kind of do what they want to do, whatever they want to do it. Yeah, they they are the global behemoth when it comes to sports. I mean, and they can go anywhere, they can sell out and people watch it. They can play the games at 7 a.m. and people watch it. They yep. play the games at 9 p.m. and people watch it. It's just it, it's just they are the 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 ratings bonanza waiting to happen. And so this is they they uh this is really kind of cool. You wonder before the game, when the game becomes more global, is there a team or a division in in another part of the world? I mean, is there are there European teams or South American teams? Obviously, the South American team much easier because the time zone's the same, right? You know, or close, right? So you could actually do something very similar. So, yeah, I think this is this is very intriguing, and it's a start of a more global uh, enterprise. Yeah, I think the the popularity of soccer and and now uh, basketball has encouraged the NFL to to see about exporting the the sport that destroys both of those in the United States, and it's going to be a little different battle when you're on their field. But I do think that this is this is the way the NFL has to go if they want to keep moving forward with the future while everything else is changing. 
Um, they, they need to be seeing what they can do to get a foothold outside of the United States and Europe. Same old, same old. Uh, follow the money, no matter what the denomination. <laughs> We're back with more after this. You're listening to the Sports Spectacular, powered by IlliniGuys.com on the Illini Guys Radio Network. Now, let's get back to the studio. Uh, welcome back here to the show. Glad to uh, have back on the show for the first time in the new year. Boy, I see that a lot here. It's just, it's kind of my one of my little catchphrases, I guess. Uh, Brandon Godden, friend of the show. He is the veteran play-by-play man for the Big Ten Network. Um, FS1, he's all over the place. Also, uh, Brandon, we haven't talked since you did your, your first season as the play-by-play guy for the Atlanta Braves. Uh, first off, welcome. Good to see you. And, and tell us about how that experience was. It was great. It certainly helps when you're part of a team that wins 104 games during the regular season. It makes your job a lot easier. You have know, joked with a lot of people. They say, well, how are you received? I said, well, pretty well. But when you win, I think the fan base kind of gravitates to the announcers. When you lose, it probably goes the other way. Just like when you go to the ballpark and your team wins, somehow the hot dog tastes better, the popcorn's good. When the team loses, you know, the line was too long for the bathroom, the popcorn was stale, the hot dog was rubbery. So, uh, but no, it was it was a good first season. And I, I mean this when I say this, I was a little hesitant about how all this would work. Would I still be able to do college hoops? Because that's a passion of mine. Thankfully, the Braves have been great, and those seasons don't really overlap. And so I've still been able to stay really heavily involved in the Big Ten, and, and I appreciate that. Good, good. Well, we're thankful for that because we love to hear your calls um, each week on Big Ten games. Um, so you'll start here. I mean, spring training's a couple of weeks away, right? Next week, I mean, pitchers and catchers report. When do you begin doing some some preseason spring training stuff with them? It works out perfectly. I will finish the Big Ten tournament on March 15th up in the Twin Cities. And then our first spring uh, telecast for the Braves is not until March 20th. The Braves only broadcast the last week of games leading up to the MLB's regular season. So selfishly for me, it couldn't have worked out any better because I'll call those last games on the 15th, get home, kind of collect my breath, catch my breath, repack, and then head down to Northport, Florida, where the Braves train on the 18th and get ready for the first game on the 20th. That's awesome. Final question on that. When to get into hoops, tell people the difference because play-by-play is difficult. It's, it's a, it's a skill and you're very, very good at it. Great talent. Tell people about the difference in calling a baseball game than, than basketball. I mean, you've got a lot of time to fill in between pitches yeah. when it comes to baseball. Yeah, baseball, you know, those and, – and, Larry, you've done a lot of play-by-play. It's kind of the, the storyteller sport because there is that time. It, it also allows you, I think, a, a little bit more to interject your personality and also lay out and just let silence and the, and the natural sounds of the ballpark take over the game. You can't – when you're doing – I think last year our crew – did 144 to 162 you can't fill those two and a half three hours every night uh you know you've got to realize that it's okay to not tell a story here and just let the crowd take over or just relax and let a couple pitches go by and the people at home they need that and baseball lends itself to that it's more of a conversation whereas like football and basketball just more energetic upbeat you're you're trying to get enough words in without over talking but the play is going so fast uh, baseball is just a little bit of a, a different animal, but I, I've always loved the art of that. Baseball was what made me fall in love with broadcasting. Uh, and so to be able to do that and basketball now and mix in some football as well is really a dream come true. 
It's awesome. And we are uh, privileged that you're on those calls. Brandon Godden, we're talking with again, play-by-play man uh, for the Atlanta Braves, about to enter season number two, but he's a veteran um, of the Big Ten, as we've talked about. Let's talk about this Big Ten hoop season as we're getting into the kind of the second half of the conference. We're right where we thought we'd be, Purdue at the top, followed by Illinois, and then uh, Wisconsin, the surprise right there. Um, I, I was happy to see them not fall too far in the polls because I do think Wisconsin is one of the top 10, 12 teams in the country. Yeah, I do too. And I think everybody has said it this year, but the difference for them is A.J. Store. Yeah. Well, I mean, they return everybody else that got older and wiser and better, and then you add in that piece of dynamic that they just really haven't had, a guy that athletic and that, that much of a playmaker, and I think it just completed their team. I also just – I think Chucky Hepburn doesn't get enough credit. You look at his stats, like, ah, eight points. He's kind of regressed in scoring, but – that was his choice. That was the choice of the team was we're going to bring in A.J. Store to do a heavy majority of the scoring. Chucky Hepburn, though, he is still the head of that snake. He's the point guard. He sets everybody up. His assist to turnover numbers are off the chart. And so I think he's kind of the guy that is is sort of the forgotten man, if you will, that's really helping uh, the straw that stirs the drink, so to speak, for Wisconsin. But, but I agree. I think, look, with Terrence Shannon in the mix – Wisconsin, Illinois, and Purdue, those are three teams that can make a run in the tournament. Now, we all know Purdue's issues in the tournament in the past, and really the Big Ten's issues in the tournament for the last 20 years, uh, but those are those are three legit top 15 teams to me when they're clicking on all cylinders. Yeah, and I think it, it so much as matchups, and we've talked on the show uh, earlier in this show and in previous weeks as well, that, um, listen, this ain't your daddy's college basketball, right? I mean, we've said so many times, 16 different teams in the past four Final Fours, Yep. Ultimate in parity. Um, there is no team Purdue's dominant. UConn looks great. Um, other than that, and even they can be beatable. I mean, there's no there's no team you say that's the team I'm hanging my hat on. Um, and I think that's great for the game. I know fans don't like it, and we all want our team to be the team. But I think it's great. You're going to go in, and and you may see a, a six seed or a five seed in the title game, like we did, like we did last year. Yeah, what COVID has. For all the bad things it gave us, and we don't know where college sports is going, and, and it could be headed in a direction where we're scratching our heads. But that aside for a second, something COVID did give us is older veteran players. And yes, a lot of them have changed teams and so forth. But I think what we've seen because of that is how COVID has shifted players around. They've stayed in the game and there's parity because of it. And I actually have enjoyed just knowing and getting to know the stories of some of these guys in the Big Ten now that have been around for over four years, some of them in their fifth year, some of them in their sixth year. Uh, and it in that way, I've enjoyed it. I, I, I don't like just looking at it like, oh, freshman, sophomore, freshman, sophomore, and then some of them are gone. It's neat to look down and say, wow, they're starting four seniors and a junior and a fifth-year senior. Um, but again, we, we know that there will be a lot of transients and transfers in the future while NIL and all this stuff gets sorted out. But for now, I think what we have this year in college basketball is actually a product where you just have a lot of smart veteran players that are battling every night and guys that we've gotten to know. And you, I think there's some comfort in that. I remember growing up in Indiana in the early 90s when guys were at a program for four and five years. And even though, again, some of these players have shifted around, they're mostly known entities. And it's just good to know and see familiar faces on the court and on your television every night. Um, so I'm really, I'm, I'm really enjoying this college basketball season. And I'm, I'm with you. I think that that is one of the reasons we're seeing a lot of parity. And I think that you've got uh, the Big Ten, um, I would argue, the best collection of coaches in the country. Take nothing away from the other coaches. Um, and at the same time, you've got, like you said, you've got some veteran guys 
And you're at the time of year now where the guys who come in as transfers, uh, the veterans, are beginning to fit into their teams and understand roles. Um, look at what Nebraska's done lately um, with some guys that just they've kind of come together. Fred's got a great system there. Um, what Northwestern's done with Chris Collins, there's always Michigan State and Tom Izzo. That's always a danger. You get the latter part of the season. So I think while we had the big three, there's that group like four through ten right now that we're kind of waiting. A lot of veteran coaches, veteran players, any one of them could make a move or could pull off a couple of upsets in March. Yeah, absolutely. And and that next pile, it's just going to be curious to see who makes the NCAA tournament, right? Purdue, Illinois, Wisconsin, we know they're going to be in. Uh, Nebraska, I hope they continue to have success. And it's not a bias. It's just any time a program's only been to the tournament one time in the last 25 years, <laughs> I'd like to see them get back because I think it helps the conference. It, I think a, a, when a program like Nebraska can make a surge and become more relevant, it, it just helps the league all the way around. And now that Chris Collins has kind of solidified Northwestern, and I'm not going to say he's an every-year contender, but made the tournament, it looks like they're on track to possibly do that again. They've had some big wins in league play. Uh, when the league is, is good top to bottom, that helps everybody. And then, then next year you throw in the West Coast schools and and who knows what we're going to have uh, and who knows what everything could look like five years from now. But, yeah, there, right now this year there there is that group of middle pack teams uh, that I'm curious to see in the latter half of the, of the conference season here how this all shakes out. Yeah. Talking with Brandon Godden, play-by-play man for the Big Ten Network and FS1 and Big Ten Games. He's a veteran guy also, again, with the Atlanta Braves, as we mentioned. Um, you touched on something a minute ago that I want to ask you about in terms of uh, the Big Ten and uh, the things that they have not done um, in the NCAA tournament. We're coming up on a quarter of a century since the last champion out of the Big Ten, and that's Michigan State. Thank God Tom Izzo's still there, right? Um, <laughs> he was a young man back with that when he got that win, and he's not young anymore. Um Here's my question, you know, and I talked with Rob Blackman. We were on the show last week, uh, produced play-by-play, man, and I asked him the same question. Is it an issue, again, with the, the way Big Ten games are officiated, the way the referees call the games? Um, does that pose a problem for the Big Ten come March when you have other referees that see the game differently, don't know the players here, and it seems to all it seems to never fall in the favor of the Big Ten? Is, is that fair? Yeah, I've heard that before, and I think that there may be a, a small truth to that. I actually just think it's one of those strange statistical outliers that that happen in sports that are hard to explain. I think that, that like the NCAA tournament, as we know, and you said it earlier, it often depends so much on matchups, and, and there's a little bit of luck involved to go all the way and win it. And for the Big Ten to have all these great teams over the last 24 years and not have won a single NCAA tournament really makes you scratch your head. But I think it's just one of those strange statistical outliers. I know that we all want to talk about it and conjecture and make thoughts and theories. And, and I get that. I'm one of those people that do that, too. I've talked about the officiating. Uh, another thing I've talked about is that the Big Ten, and this goes along with officiating, the style of play of it being a little bit more rugged and tough. And then you get in with some of those more free-flowing SEC teams that tend to get up and down a little bit more, more athletic. And that style of play and the Big Ten guys who've been playing so different for the last three months, like, whoa, what's this? And by the time they look up, they lost 85 to 75 and their season's over. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, those are the, the officiating and just the way that the game is played relative to some of the other major conferences. Those are those are things that I've thought of. Uh, and I do think those things maybe are at play. But all in all, Larry, I still think it's more of just a statistical outlier that unfortunately the Big Ten has run into some bad luck in the NCAA tournament. <laughs> 
just kind of one of those things. You can't say it's not the players, not the coaches, but you're exactly right. Just again, I mean, and I think UConn is an example that UConn is the first team ever, I believe, that uh, didn't face a one or a two seed on its way yep. to the title. I mean, you know, it, it just one of those. Things. Are they not deserving? Well, no, they're deserving. They they won. Yeah. But they got a good road. Maybe it's yep. just it is to your point. Um, yep. Want to kind of get your thoughts as well before we let you go in terms of kind of the, the future here. We know that expansion is coming, as you referred to, the four teams from the Pac-12 coming in. Um, obviously, the SEC is changing. We've got the Big Ten and SEC forming a partnership with the president's chancellors, athletic directors. Um, now possibly some word that they're not – they want to make sure they're – I don't know, what they're not happy with the college football playoff. I mean – Read into that what you want. I think we all can kind of see where we're going here. Um, it feels like that they're already beginning to kind of flex their muscles a bit, and they're going to be the conferences, you know, in the next five years, if not even sooner. Yeah, here's what I know. There's so much that we don't know. Here's what I know. How it currently is is not sustainable. Now, that doesn't mean that players won't get played paid. They will. You can't put that back in the bag, and I'm not saying that should be put back in the bag. But the current setup – Every coach complains about it. Now, whether they want to do it publicly or privately, a lot of them do it privately because they, they need to stay positive. They want to get the recruits. They don't want to be seen as negative. But they're all saying, we can't keep going like this because it's impossible for us to do our jobs. Guys are being recruited off teams throughout the season. It's this constant thought of, oh, my goodness. So not only do I need to recruit new guys, but of the 12 guys I have now that are on scholarship, how many of them am I going to lose this offseason? And it's always like you're you're shooting at this target that's moving all over the place, and these coaches really don't know how to handle it. And they're trying to collect this money to be able to pay these players, but some of these alumni bases are giving smaller amounts, and they don't have enough. Some of them just don't know how to go out and collect the money. Some of them are having trouble explaining to their alumni that, hey, if we don't have a couple million dollars, we, we can't compete because every player, even though we don't want to have to pay them this much, their agents are saying, hey, sorry, this school's offering 750000 You only have 200000 He's got to go with where, what's best. And if you're the player or the coach, you understand that. The player's got a chance to make another half million dollars. Well, hard to argue against that. So all, all that to say, all I know, I don't know where it's going, but I know that how it's set up currently is not sustainable. And it's going to be fascinating, good, bad, or indifferent, to see what changes take place, not only in the next year, but I would say in the next five to 10 years, it's, it's going to be really intriguing to see what happens. I think that's the best answer I've heard so far about this question. <laughs> Very well put because you're exactly right. That's the, it's the one thing it's the great unknown. And, um, and there's no, there's no playbook. There's no precedent to go back and see, well, you know, 10 years ago, this happened. I mean, this is all brand yeah. new. Um, so I get the same time we get to kind of be there and, and help write the history as, um, as we see it, Brandon, I know we're out of time on this. Always great to talk with you. Um, we know we won't talk with you here probably the rest of the year because you'll be very busy every day with baseball. <laughs> Hopefully we can catch up again at some point. You have an off day. You'll spend a few minutes with us. Um, good luck the rest of the way and enjoy uh, the, the games you have and, um, and the tournament in Minneapolis. Thanks, Larry. Always appreciate being on with you and hope to see you soon. 
All right. This sounds good. Thanks, buddy. Brandon Gordon, once again, he's a play-by-play man for uh, Big Ten games, uh, both basketball and football, and also as well, uh, he's with the Atlanta Braves, about to start his second season uh, as play-by-play guy for the Braves. Thrilled to have him here on the show. Stay with us. Much more to come after a quick timeout. When life isn't easy, you need health care that is. You need OSF On-Call Urgent Care. With OSF On-Call Urgent Care, we make it easy to get affordable, quick, convenient care for minor illnesses and injuries when and where you need it. Reserve an appointment online or walk in for care 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. every day, even on holidays. Virtual visits are also available 24-7, 365. Get started today or find a clinic near you at osfoncall.org slash urgent care. Fans of big sports radio and sports spectacular podcasts have a new home on the Chief Sports Network. Find your favorite programs and content all in one place by downloading the Chief Sports app in your mobile device. Created in South Carolina, the Chief Sports Network is the home of an expanding network of live and podcast format programming. It is also the home of one of the leading national college football podcasts, J.C. and Morgan, hosted by ESPN's Mike Morgan and 24-7 Sports' J.C. Sherbert. Download the Chief Sports app for free and find all of your favorite programming under one easy umbrella. Thanks to all of our markets for your loyal support of Big Sports Radio and our Sports Spectacular podcast, and we look forward to connecting with you anywhere in the world on the Chief Sports app. What's the best way to get rid of a timeshare that you don't want? Call the Timeshare Exit Hotline. We're a group of attorneys that help customers legally exit their timeshares. It's an easy process. We guarantee results or you pay nothing. Exit your timeshare today. Call now. 800-715-6093. 800-715-6093. That's 800-715-6093. This is Brad Underwood. You're listening to the Illini Guys Sports Spectacular. Let's talk a little bit more here about uh, one of the many topics that we have been uh, getting into. Um, the Big Ten and the SEC putting together a um, advisory panel is what they're calling it. But clearly, as we talked about, um, this is a conversation been going on for a while with the presidents, chancellors, and athletic directors. Back on the show once again is Tony Altimore. He's a strategy consultant, um, big sports fan, uh, loves the Big Ten. Michigan State ties, good for him as well, loves USC as well, but he's a big college football guy. Hey, uh, Tony, great to have you on the show. Uh, let's great get, to be here. Yeah, good to have you. Let's dig right into this. First off, uh, this panel, um, we don't think they're trying to get together to maybe, I don't know, figure something out. I mean, I think we can kind of pretty much surmise there's a goal in mind or goals that they have by putting this all together. Yeah. I mean, and this, uh, I will, so, you know, this is just from what, what I can surmise. I think they've decided that the, you know, the NCAA strategy of let's just hope that the, that Congress bails us out. I mean, where the NCAA has been admitted openly admitting that they need con- congressional help because they've been openly breaking the law. Uh, I, I think that the, the big 10, the SEC have said, okay, we're done with this you know, hope for the best mentality. It's time for the grownups in the room to take over before the damage gets any worse. I mean, none of this would be happening if, you know, if they just let Jeremy Bloom have his modeling money and let Ed O'Bannon have a little bit of video game money, which was all, by the way, legal the entire time. So, I mean, you know, the lawyers will be in here and, and can give you guys all the exact details, 
But in, in general, they the NCAA has been behaving sh- like such an egregiously illegal cartel for so long. Now it's come back to roost. And and I think that the Big Ten and the SEC have said, we're done losing. We're done pretending that this model works. This doesn't work. We have we're, we're about to face a massive, potentially multi-billion dollar loss in the House case. Now, the House case is the case in California right now of athletes suing the conferences and the NCAA for NIL money that they illegally were not allowed to earn because the NCAA acted like an illegal cartel. They're going to lose that. They know they're going to lose that. First of all, their argument is so bad. Second, the Supreme Court has just dunked on it. Third, the judge, who is the senior judge of the Ninth Circuit, by the way, uh, is the same judge who destroyed the NCAA and O'Bannon. Like, Uh She knows their illegal cartel model. Like this is, I mean, it's like a comedy. So they're going to have to settle that because if they don't settle that, they're going to have to pay, you know, like three or $4 billion. So they, I'm sure they will settle it. And the big 10, the ICF said, we're sick of fighting these losing battles for your illegal cartel business model. Now, part of the problem is the big 10, the SEC have a very different business model than all the other conferences and all the other divisions. And I think what you're really sort of seeing is just the grownups taking charge. So the the question I guess that we have at this point is you you see these things happening where the Big Ten is moving. Is this also maybe something to motivate the NCAA to try a new strategy for you know self preservation, if nothing else, maybe a rattling of the sabers to see if you can wake up the NCAA. You know, I would hope so. Um, it, it's hard to tell exactly. The NCAA can be pretty dense and, and, and clueless on this stuff. But I would think this is probably the final warning, right? Like, th- this is the final warning that says, if you don't get this together and solve the problems, then we're going to just take our ball and go home. And now it's going to be hard. Like, And, and people have talked, oh, they could just set up. Yeah, they could. They could set up a whole new NCAA tomorrow. The logistics of that, the strategy of that, I'll tell you guys, I was around for the setting up of the Department of Homeland Security and the setting up of the Office of Director of National Intelligence. And those were aided with unlimited money and the benefits of national security. I can't even imagine what it would take with the speed of higher education to set up a new, you know, Big Ten SEC joint NCAA. It would be a night. It would take way longer than they have and way more money than they than they are willing to spend. So, you know, I think the question is, you know, it's a warning of the NCAA. We can do this if we need to. Please don't make us. And we'll find out. The, the NCAA has a wonderful way of batting a, a zero batting average. <laughs> they strike out well. Is there a, um, as you kind of look at this, is this, you know, obviously we, it's folk, the focus is all on football for the most part, but how does it, how do we, integrate all the other things in this in this uh process well there's some really interesting questions so i'm actually working on a research project with somebody uh a a peyton barris from duke who's really fascinating guy uh where we're looking at what's another business model we could use for the olympic sports um i'm going to pick on my wonderful beloved alma mater right now usc is building a spectacular 30 million dollar soccer and lacrosse stadium are we training the world cup no we're not, you know, are we, I don't know what the lacrosse money is for. So, I mean, and I love lacrosse. I love soccer, but like that's $30 million that probably doesn't need to be spent. Uh, it's going to be great. I'm glad we have it, but 
in a world where we say we need money, there's $30 million. Uh, we have stadiums and fields at USC. So, you know, when you think about the business model of some of these Olympic sports, the spending really starts to be a question. What are you doing? You know, if you're if you're spending a fortune on a swim team and you're not filling your team with Olympians, why are you running an Olympic style program? Like, what are the goals of athletics? And you know, the goals of athletics are we want to, you know, teach our kids the values of, you know, hard work and fair play and competition. We we like what athletes bring leadership wise, things like that in the classroom. That's why we do this in those Olympic sports. And there's a lot of money being spent on them that I think may start to come into question. Talking here with Tony Altimore, once again, a strategy consultant. We're always thrilled to have him on to kind of break down some things. Um, we always like talking to people who who are smarter than us. Tony fits that category. Doesn't take much, right, for us. Uh, um, but I here, win. Thank you, guys. There you go. Here's a question for you that and we've talked about quite a bit. I'm of the mind that I think that we are heading toward still, and Mike, I know, agrees, and Brad, too. Um, we're heading toward a world that in 10 years from now, there's only going to be, you know, 75, 80, um, you know, major teams in co in college sports. And I think with, we're already seeing with the big 10, the sec, maybe not even that many, they may, we may wind up in a few years at the time of the next TV contract may come up to where we've got two 2014 super conferences and they become kind of a Saturday version of the NFL. I mean, in terms of you've got games all day long and you get to the playoffs and the college football playoff is simply the top four or top six teams from each one of those conferences, if you will, heading towards a collegiate Super Bowl, just like we see in the NFL. Talk, talk me out of that. You know, I don't know if I can talk you out of it because I think it may be sort of where we're going. But in some ways, it may sort of already be where we are as well. Yeah. You know, I mean, when, when you think about it uh, and you, you think about it and, you know, what the cutoff point is, is debatable. But uh, I'll be honest, and I, I'm going to say this because I love the Mac, and I come from like Mac roots. My uncle won a national championship on the Eastern Michigan baseball team. Um, but I'll tell you that like the Mac is not competitive with the Big Ten. Yeah. Um, despite the fact that my dad's 19, that my dad's national championship reunion team for Michigan State lost to Central Michigan, uh, <laughs> we got to see that in the stands one time. But you know, in general, the Mac is not competitive with the Big Ten. So there, and financially, those programs are dumping money, and, and the amount of money that some of those programs are dumping is huge. Coastal Carolina, the subsidy at Coastal Carolina, the subsidy for the athletic department, not the budget, just the subsidy of the budget, is four thousand dollars per student at a school that's twenty five percent first generation kids. So you're telling me that $4,000 per student is a good investment at Coastal Carolina? I mean, and there, there's some like marketing arguments, maybe, but I don't buy it. So I don't think that business model is sustainable. And so to some of these programs, if we can get them out of that, you know, out of that model, that helps. But there is a huge relevancy factor. And I'm going to pick on my other beloved alma mater, go Quakers, the University of Pennsylvania in the 1940s. 50s was a national powerhouse like they played Notre Dame it would have been like the you know game of the year huge thing 85,000 people at Franklin Field there were always 75,000 people at Franklin Field back when Penn State was a cow college with 20,000 people in the stands when they when a Ivy League sort of really did its thing 1954 1955 caused the 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 pullback of relevancy of the Ivy League 
And all of a sudden they lost relevance. 75,000 people 30 years later is 7,000 people. And so the risk to, you know, the Mac, the risk to the Sunbelt, the risk to uh, even the Mountain West, right, is are you going to lose such relevancy that you become effectively FCS? And that that's a real risk and it's a risk to the sport, because I'll tell you, the Northeast never recovered for college football from losing the Ivy League. Philadelphia, they don't I mean, they don't really root for Penn State. Right. Let's be honest. You know, New York, they don't really root for Rutgers. So Massachusetts, they don't root for you, Matt. They lost their teams. They lost Harvard. They lost Princeton. They lost Penn. They lost their teams. And I think one of the risks that we have, and maybe it's going to happen, is that regions of this country will lose relevance from their teams. Tony, it is um, always great to talk with you. Um, we could talk for hours, <laughs> but we will let you always go. Always fun. We appreciate your insights as always. And uh, again, please join us soon to help us uh, give us some clarity on some of this stuff. Sounds good. We appreciate it. All right. Thanks. All right, we'll talk to you guys later. Bye. 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 Uh, Tony Altimore, once again, he's a strategy consultant and a friend of the show. We're thankful for that to get his insights uh, on all of this stuff. Uh, we will be talking to him again soon. Stay with us. More to come after this. You're tuned in to the Sports Spectacular on the Illini Guys Radio Network. Hi, Larry Smith here with details on a special Illini Guys deal with one of the premier home building and remodeling companies in greater Chicago, HX Home Solutions. If you live in the Chicago area or if you know someone who does and your home or business is in need of attention, Call HX, tell them you're with the Illini guys, and get $1,000 off your project. They offer full residential, commercial, and industrial remodeling and new construction services, and only use the best in-class products with the top installers. Get $1,000 off with the Illini guys discount. Why HX? They're experienced in business since 1950. They're respected, an A rating from the Better Business Bureau, and over 100 five-star reviews on Google. They're elite. They use only top materials like James Hardy siding. I have Hardy plank on my own home. It's durable, looks good, and increased the value of my home. Marvin windows, hail-proof Ural shield roofing, and much more. And they finish on time. None of this stuff sitting in your driveway weeks after they were supposed to be done already. The Illini Guys discount is available to anyone listening to this message. Their number is 224-880-6000 and their website hxhomesolutions.com. Be sure to mention the Illini Guys to get your discount hxhomesolutions.com If I was your mother and you had a drug problem, I'd grab you by the ear and make you call and get help. You can be in treatment tomorrow and start to get clean in seven days. Follow mom's advice and call the Detox and Treatment Helpline now. Write this number down. 877-927-3380 877-927-3380 That's 877-927-3380 You're listening to the Sports Spectacular, powered by IlliniGuys.com on the Illini Guys Radio Network. Now, let's get back to the studio. Hey, joining us now to talk some women's hoops. Back on the show once again, we're always uh, glad to get his insights. Doug Feinberg, he is the women's basketball writer for the Associated Press. Doug, good to see you again. Um, I, I think we'll jump right in. I think any conversation in college basketball right now, really women's or men's, uh, it goes with Caitlin Clark. Another big milestone this week. She becomes the Big Ten's all-time leading scorer, number two all-time women's scorer, although she's likely going to pass Pete Maravich for the all-time scorer overall. Um, just talk about just what a special talent 
she is. It's just, it's just, she's, she's fun to watch. Yeah. I mean, she, she really is. She, she is galvanized the sport in a sense with just everywhere she goes to sold out arenas or arenas with road games, having 150% more fans than a normal home game for those schools. So she is must watch TV must watch in person. I mean, when's the last time you had people scalping tickets or selling tickets on the secondary market for thousands of dollars to watch a women's basketball player or team play. Yeah. Yeah. You're exactly right. And I mean, it's, it's not like that the women's game has not been, um, you know, up center stage, right. You know, in, in the front burner. I mean, when you talk about um, the great, you know, I mean, you and I, we go back to Louisiana tech and Lynn Barmore, but you know, I mean, even, you know, the Georgia teams, Andy Landers and obviously Tennessee and Pat summit and Gino in his early years and still going and um, you know, Texas and Stanford, we just saw what uh, Terry uh, Tara Vanderveer has done. Um, but you're right. Even with all those successes and the great players, Cheryl Miller's and um, swoops and, and all the players through the years, Sue bird. And, and, and you can go on and on Diana Taurasi. You haven't had this Brittany Griner at Baylor with she was a rock star, right? When they won their title, um, you haven't had that. And um, I think it's even more special that it's in Iowa, which has a great history of girls basketball going back several decades. Yeah. I mean, they go back to playing six on six in Iowa for a long time uh, on the basketball court. I, I think, listen, she's an unbelievable talent. Caitlin is what has helped obviously is we're, we're in a time right now with social media that, her highlights are shown everywhere on linear TV, but also on Instagram, on Twitter, TikTok, ever. So it's a chance for her to sort of get more fans to see, oh, my God, she's shooting from the logo, as opposed to when Taurasi and Miller and Moore and Bird and and all, Griner, all those players played, that didn't really exist. And throwing also that the NIL deals, like she can have a State Farm deal. I mean, I think one of the funniest commercials – I've seen is the State Farm deal where she, they call for a shooter and she pops up and she's like, "What? There's no basket here!" And she, just seeing her deadpan that is hilarious. So, so being able to be in national commercials and having the social media component ha- has turned a, a unbelievable player into one that everyone uh, is a household name now, so to speak. No question. And she's kept Iowa right there in the conversation this week, ranked fifth in the country. Um, um, and they're at a real battle in the Big Ten with uh, Indiana improving after uh, what they did last year um, at Ohio State coming on. So it'll be interesting to see how that conference plays uh, moving on down. Um, I want to get to uh, the SEC right now. And how much fun was it for anyone not paying attention and focusing more on Caitlin Clark to see the game last week with South Carolina as quietly as a number one team could do? take down the defending champion LSU and love Don Staley afterwards and talking about, Oh no, they weren't, they weren't being mean. They were just calling me boo. I mean, what, what great uh, sense of humor um, after a big win. And she had a shirt for their next home game with boo on it. So like (laughs) Don Staley is tremendous at grabbing a moment and running with it and having fun with it. And listen, they went under the radar this year. And I think they were sixth in the preseason poll. And now they're not, they've been number one since LSU lost its first game. And this was a, re, a rebuilding year for South Carolina. They, they lost all five of their starters from last year's team. They were going to be good, but it's like, oh, you know, give them some time to sort of let the newbies flourish. And again, credit to Dawn. She had players that were on the bench last year that now are starting for her. They didn't leave. They didn't transfer. They didn't pout. They became better players. And, and that, to me, is a sign of a great coach who's able to sort of keep her own and add to it. And I said – Develop players to be really, really good right now. So she's done a tremendous job of te- turning a team that 
everyone thought it would be good at some point this year to being really good early on, and they are the only undefeated team in the country, and they're definitely the best team in the country right now. I'm glad you said that because I felt silly that I'm like, wait a minute, how did I forget South Carolina? So I'm glad you broke it down like that because the focus obviously is on Iowa and LSU and after the epic final last year that I think, again, elevated the women's game to another level. Let's talk about LSU right now. And it's look, I mean, it's not like they're not playing well, um, but they've got the target on their back. One, Kim Mulkey is a... Um, she's a personality and with the, you know, the loud suits and the loud personality as well. Um, and Angel Reese right there too, but they've had some speed bumps, uh, this season that I think we, no one could have seen coming with the, at the onset of this, uh, this basketball campaign. Yeah. I mean, listen, I, I think the biggest thing they've had to deal with is putting in some new pieces to a really talented team to begin with. And there's always going to be speed bumps. I mean, at any level, when you add two high profile, um, high-ability players like Anissa Morrow and Haley Van Lith to fit into a, a, a good returning team, it's going to it's gonna be a work in progress. And you saw it at the start when they lost the first game, and then they got a little bit better, but they were playing some teams that, you know, they, they should beat by 40, 50 points. I mean, that's the way they schedule things. And they had their first real challenge in a while against South Carolina, and they played well. But once Angel Reese fouled out with that fifth foul, which, again, Probably she should not have fouled the kid. It was definitely a foul, but like, you know, you got four fouls. It's a tight game. Maybe let her get the two points. Two points is not worth missing the last four and a half minutes of a game. So it takes some time to gel and adjust and, and sort of fit all the pieces together, the pizza pie, so to speak, and make it whole. So th they're struggling right now a bit, but I, I think when we get to the the games that matter down the road, the NCAA tournament, they'll probably be potentially a little bit stronger and more cohesive, and that will get them where they need to be. Or they might be one of those teams we go, they had a lot of talent, but just didn't work out for them this year. Yeah. Um, you know, talking with uh, Doug Feinberg here, the AP uh, writer, uh, women's basketball, um, and just, uh, boy, just does such a great job and for so many years, and we always uh, are fortunate to have him here on the show. Um, how about a team that, 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 uh, talk about off the radar um, when they beat Iowa back in November, we went, Oh, okay. That's an upset. Kansas state is now number two in the AP poll. Talk about the Wildcats and what's going on in the other Manhattan. Well, it's funny because they just lost the other night to Oklahoma. Uh -huh. So there, there seems to be a curse at number two. I think four times this year, the number two team has lost after they become number two in the AP poll. So that might be the one you don't want. Like the old SI cover jinx, you don't want to be number two in the AP poll because that's you're destined to lose a game pretty soon. But but that said, I mean, they, they've had a phenomenal season. Um, they won 14 straight games before that loss, although it's technically 15 if you count the forfeit that TCU had because they didn't have enough players to play, which was a crazy story on its own. But Coach Mitty's done a tremendous job with that group. They've won the last couple games this last week or two without their star center, Aoka Lee, who was out with an injury, an ankle injury. So like they're doing without their best player. They were still finding ways to win in a pretty good big 12 beating. I think it was Baylor and Texas and a couple other teams that were really strong early on. So they, they're a team that, again, they were the first team ever to go from unranked to number two in the AP poll in the history of the poll. So that tells you something. They were 26th. They were just outside the top 25 to start the season. So they weren't like this team no one's ever heard of, but they weren't ranked. So they they were the first team ever to do that, to go up to number two in the, in the history of the 40-plus the year history of the poll. So they're, they're a good team. Once they get Lee back probably in a week or two or maybe three, they'll be better again. But what a great story. What a, what a great job that they've done there. 
Yeah, I love that to see. Um, anytime you see a team that you don't normally see, right, right up in the top ten, having a great year, um, it's always exciting. And uh, because those are programs again that we are not accustomed um, to seeing. One that we have, uh, you know, they've won three championships. I mentioned uh, Tara Vanderveer is Stanford right now, and of course the big news um, in January a couple of weeks ago, she passes Mike Shashevsky as the all-time uh, winningest. Uh, basketball coach men's or women's uh, in division one um talk about your experience with her and just um it's incredible to see that she's been able to do this i'm always impressed with with longevity and that includes coach k um and, and all the all the legends that they can keep doing this because the game today is so much different than it was 20 years ago and so to to find that success and to keep winning and to keep evolving as a coach and a person um i've i've always found fascinating yeah, Tar, Tar is one of the best ever to do it, just on and off the court. What, what a wonderful person. Besides being a great coach, a wonderful person. She She's also – Stanford's a little bit different because you have to have a certain level of academic to go there as well, so they can't just get anyone to go there. And to be the all-time wins leader and build the – I mean, how sad is the Pac-12's last season is this year as we know it, and – they're one of the best conferences in the country. And she was the one for so many years carrying the flag, being the team in the conference. And then obviously other teams rose because of what Stanford did and what she did there. So just a great tactician, a great coach, uh, a quick end real quick. So you go, you know, I coached high school basketball. I was with her down in the Bahamas a couple years ago when they're playing a tournament down there. And she knows that coach. We've talked many years about it. And she actually, I like one of their inbound plays that she ran in a game. She drew it up on a napkin for me to sort of, hey, here's what it is. So you can have it to run for your team. And like, who else would do that? Like literally take a napkin, draw it up. Here you go. And it was a great play. I think we ran it like probably a week later. And of course it scored because it's a play from one of the greatest coaches of all time. Right, exactly. And you, I know you still have the napkin, right? I mean. I, I do. It's not actually in front of me right now, but I, right. I still do have the napkin, yes. Yeah, you're not, not throw, you're never throwing that away. Yeah, come no, on. No chance. It's not happening. Um, one more question before I let you go. Uh, we mentioned in terms of uh, one of the all-time great programs and coaches at uh, Gino Ariema and UConn, um, the Huskies right there, not talked about because there are so many stories, um, but they're right there at number 11 this week, uh, 17 and 4. Talk about UConn's season and, and kind of how they're looking as we begin to, to look toward March. I mean, I can't think of a team that's been more snake-bitten by injuries over the last couple of years than UConn. If everyone was healthy, they would be number one in the country or number two in the country without question. But they've lost, I think, five players now for the season because of injuries and such that, like, the team that he came into that everyone thought was going to be there is not there. They just have a, 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 have had to adjust the way they do things the last couple weeks or every year that every time they find a new system, so to speak, someone else goes down, yeah. but they still have Paige backers who's back and healthy and is one of the top three players in the country. And she's playing, playing lights out on both ends of the court. She's been blocking shots, which is, it was great. Her decent defensive game has improved. So you, UConn is still very good. I think last time I was on, I predicted them to be in the final four before a couple of injuries happened. I would never bet against them. So I, I think he's done a great job again of finding ways to win and adjust how they play when you keep on losing starting players and, and, and eventually he catches up with you, but they still are winning with a roster and a team that's on the court. That was not what you expected the starting five to be when the season began in October. 
And and like you talked about with Tara, another just legend who, like you said, just adjusting to personnel, to adversity, um, and the great ones find a way uh, to do that. Um, well, tell us before we let you go, what are some upcoming uh, – you've got some high school games obviously coming up. Are you going to get a chance to get out to any uh, college games anytime soon? Yeah, I'm actually – it's funny. I'm going out to watch one of my former kids play who was um, at Purdue, a first division one player is playing at Purdue, freshman, doing great. So I'm going out to watch them play in a couple weeks, and I'll see the Michigan-Iowa game where potentially that record's going down, the NCAA record held by Kelsey Plum, which depending – Caitlin's averaging 34 points a game, so it could go down before that. But in a few weeks, the Michigan-at-Iowa game. Awesome. Awesome. And I know that's uh, one, again, you, you'll save the napkin, the program, the ticket, the press pass, all those things <laughs> from that. No question. Hey, Doug, we know we got to run. We always appreciate your time. Thanks as always. And uh, safe travels here in the month of February. Thanks, my friend. All right. We appreciate it, buddy. Uh, Doug Feinberg, again, is the women's basketball writer for the Associated Press. Always good to uh, get his insights here on the show. Stay with us. We've got more to come after a quick timeout. When life isn't easy, you need health care that is. You need OSF On-Call Urgent Care. With OSF On-Call Urgent Care, we make it easy to get affordable, quick, convenient care for minor illnesses and injuries when and where you need it. Reserve an appointment online or walk in for care 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. every day, even on holidays. Virtual visits are also available 24-7, 365. Get started today or find a clinic near you at osfoncall.org slash Everything is expensive right now. Gas, food, you name it. You're spending more, you are making the same or less money. So, what do you do? You rack up credit card debt, that's what you do. It's not your fault, it's the economy. And guess what? If you rack up too much credit card debt like some of us, you can't pay your bills. Then the credit card companies, as nice as they are, start hounding you for money. Then you start your downward spiral. A smart thing for you to do is to call the Zero Debt. They can help you consolidate all your credit card bills into one affordable payment. Millions of people have done it. It works to make you debt-free. Make this free call right now. It costs you nothing to learn more. 800-507-7293-800-507-7293-800-507-7293. That's 800-507-7293. Super Bowl 58 coming up here on Sunday. And guys, by the way, if you you haven't noticed, it's the 20th anniversary of the infamous wardrobe, wardrobe malfunction in Houston. So I ask you guys who watch football, and I'm sure you watch fashion shows as well. Was that a wardrobe malfunction as you look back now 20 years later? Janet Jackson, Justin Timberlake? Uh, no, it was not. I mean, well, it was a malfunction in the sense that nobody else knew what was going to happen. <laughs> I mean, but, but yeah, I mean, and that's always that we got the up close and personal. Um, but yeah, I, it was obviously a planned thing um, and uh, wasn't a, you know, yeah, I guess some people liked it. Some people didn't like it. Cool. Some people liked it, rewound it, and watched it again, and liked it uh, many times. Who Nobody knows? on the show, of course. Yeah. No, not not here. No, we would never no. do that. So, so the, the rumor is is that Larry was there and may have had something to do with it. Well, one of those is true. Um, yeah, I was there, and was 
amazed. And what was oh, fun- but you didn't have anything to do with it. That's your no, saying. That's no, your I story. Didn't. That's okay. right. I'm sticking to it. That's right. So, <laughs> uh, what was amazing is the people who didn't know. And by the way, we also what you didn't see on camera during a commercial break, there was a streaker who ran on the field as well. So a lot of nudity happening in Houston there for the first game in like three decades. I wonder why Larry loves the Super Bowl so much. (laughs) Just come on. This is awesome. Um, No, it was, it was actually, that was the first one I covered and it's been strange ever since then. Um, Here's I've got an arguments about this over the years and I'm sort of like, okay, here's the thing. Ladies take any garment that you have in your closet, in your, in your dresser, doesn't matter, put it on and have your, male friend try to tug and pull at it It, it's not going to give so what's disappointing is justin timberlake had the thing where he was feeling on kylie minogue's rear end at an award show before that and nobody talked about it at the time not since then it talked about it but i even then i was telling my wife i'm like why is he he looks like a horny teenager what is he doing there so he kind of got a pass went on and made a hundred million dollars since then and janet's (laughs) been you have no problem well i no, i i'm saying he almost was a horny teenager Larry, I mean, let's be like honest. There's, 22, I guess, wasn't he? Yeah, I mean, it was, just, yeah, it was like a, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's obviously not good. I mean, hopefully well, we don't have that. Who's, I don't even know who's performing. Usher, who's performing? Usher, Usher, Usher. Well, yeah, I bet yeah, he goes, yeah. I bet there's a chance he'll be topless. I mean, well, who knows? He'll have a shirt on. I'm just, probably. I'm just thinking that Larry had to try this whole pull on the stuff and poor Rita just, Larry, it doesn't work. It doesn't what are you work. Doing? Like it. What are you doing? Stop it, Larry. Why are you pulling on my Larry? <laughs> and yet Larry, Larry also had a black eye. Uh, <laughs> uh yeah, yeah, you know, the makeup, the makeup man the next night on the news. What happened? N- nothing. Just, nothing. Just make sure it looks good. Walked into a door. That's right, exactly. So <laughs> 20 years ago. But yeah, Usher is halftime, and we look forward to the game itself, Chiefs and Niners, uh, out in Vegas. Um, by the time this show, as we do tape it ahead of time, I'll actually be in Vegas. Uh, our 30th anniversary coming up in April. We're gonna see Bruno Mars uh this weekend. So, oh, I love Bruno Mars. Yeah, my wife awesome. does too. I may not make it to 31 years. We'll see what happens. Keep her away from the backstage. No, just kidding. Um, hey, but the game, Niners, Chiefs. Give me, give me your thoughts. What do you think? I'll go with the. I just think I'm. It's hard to bet against Patrick Mahomes, so I got to yeah. go with the Chiefs. Although, yeah. if I were, if I, if Patrick Mahomes was not on the other side and was just a guy who had his stats for this season, I would pick the Niners. But since I know it's Patrick Mahomes, I'm picking the Chiefs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I look. I said a few weeks ago that Patrick Mahomes. He's not the biggest quarterback. He's not the got the strongest arm. You know, the fastest guy. But basically, he is the Captain America of of quarterbacks. And Captain America always finds a way to win. And I'm sorry, but I'm not putting money up against him. And I think if he wins this Super Bowl, I think he'll be right there with Tom Brady winning like three Super Bowls in his first six seasons, something like that. So he'll be keeping pace. Now, I have no idea how you maintain that pace over the years, but I didn't think anybody could – start off as good as Tom Brady did either. Yeah, no question. And you lose your offensive coordinator, right? Different guy. Biennemi went to Washington. And on top of that, um, his big money's kicked in. And we all said, oh, with that kind of salary, you can't build a team around you to win. And yet here they are. They're they're right there. And by the way, hats off to Vegas. I did a story on CNN back in 2007. The question was, can pro sports play in Vegas? And a true story the people there in Vegas, the people that make the decisions, you know, 
they were convinced and they convinced me. And here's what's scary. They talked about, they said, one day we will host a Super Bowl and you'll be able to vote on the game from a device right there at your seat. Now, this is years before the iPhone. This is back when if you had a flip phone, you were, you know, a cool guy. Kind of scary that the future is now 2024. We are here. Um, our future actually is in next week's show because we're out of time. We appreciate all the guests who came by. Man, we had a great time talking to everybody. Great time with you as well. Enjoy the game. Enjoy the weekend. And uh, enjoy that weather if it's nice where you are. We'll see you right back here. Same time next week. ILL. This has been a presentation of LMBC Sports, LLC, and JM Talent Productions. We'll be back next week on the Illini Guys Radio Network on these same stations across Illinois.